This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Then my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. We are continuing our series on 1 John. And today we'll be beginning at the end of chapter 4 and going into chapter 5. False teachers say, doesn't matter what we do, but again, consider 1 John 3, beginning in verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we learned in chapter 3, well, how do we deal with this thing of our hearts condemning us? We walk in love. And just when you think you've walked in love enough, walk in love and walk in love some more, and keep on walking in love. And I, I let my hair down a little bit, don't have much hair, but let it down a little bit and said as, as a father for me in my life, at the stage of life I'm in, that for me is every day, do a better job of walking in love as a father, and walking in love as a, as a parent. Maybe I thought, well, I could have handled this situation better, or that situation better. Well, there's coming another opportunity on Monday morning to do a better job of leading and guiding and disciplining and training according to the Word of God, but within the parameters of walking in love. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And that's what the enemy wants to rob us of. He, he wants us to get off onto this rabbit chase. He wants to get us off onto that rabbit trail. He, he wants us to head down this road or that road of temptation so that we don't have confidence when we pray. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. Say, say anything. Now, when we teach on prayer, we'll, we'll explain that this is anything in line with the Word of God, anything consistent which, with the will of God, which is the Word of God, anything consistent with a godly, righteous life, live for the Lord. But it doesn't change the fact that the Word says anything we ask. Now why? Because we obey His commands and we do what pleases Him. And I would encourage you to listen to the 9 a.m. message last week. Pastor did a wonderful job of laying out that the life that pleases our Heavenly Father is a life lived by faith, faith in God and faith in His Word. That's how we please our Heavenly Father. We, we live by faith because we obey His commands and we do what pleases Him. And this is His command to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He has commanded us. We've learned in John, 1 John that that is both the old command and the new command. James calls it the royal law of love. It is the command that sums up all the commands, all the instructions, all the laws of God. To love the Lord your God 
and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. You go to John 15, you find out that abiding in him and him abiding in you and us abiding in his word and his word abiding in us, that has everything to do with a successful prayer life of answered prayer. And that's how we abide. And part of the way we abide is by living a life that pleases God. Part of the way that we remain in him and he remains in us and his word remains in us and we remain in his word is by obeying God. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. And I want to give you an example of this from the writings of the Apostle Paul. If you would turn your Bible to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. How we live matters. What we do matters. Whether or not we obey the Lord, whether or not we live an obedient life, it matters. Now this, this is a verse we're all familiar with. Ephesians 2 verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And praise God for it, not by works. So we know, we understand that Jesus paid the price and Jesus did the work on our behalf. And it is a gift. And thank God for it, amen? And thank God that we didn't have to pay the price. We didn't have to deserve it or earn it because none of us could have paid the price. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. You read Paul's writings to the church at Corinth. Paul said, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord. See, that, that's Christ-like character, promoting the Lord, promoting Jesus, promoting the things of God. For we, verse 10, tell your neighbor, smile and say, read on. Tell your other neighbor, smile and say, read on. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do, there's that word do, to do what? To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, what I want you to see and understand from the Word of God is that living that life and doing those good things that God has prepared in advance for us to do, that has everything to do with the circumstances that we experience in life. And it has everything to do with the blessing and the level of blessing that we experience in life. First John, here in chapter three, verse 24, those who do what? Those who obey his commands. We could say it this way, those who do the good works which God prepared in advance for them to do, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. That that's a life that our heavenly father can bless. This is how we know that he lives in us, we know it, by the spirit he gave us. Last Sunday, I gave you the reference from Paul's writings that when we're born again, we're born of the spirit. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he bears witness with our spirit that we're born again, that we're the children of God, that we're a part of the family of God. And we saw the last two Sundays in chapter four that we are to test the spirits because not every spirit is of God. Well, we're not to be deceived. We're not to be gullible. We're not to be easily taken advantage of. We learn that we're to maintain in our homes, we're to maintain a biblical, a Christian worldview in our homes and our families. 
And as I said last Sunday morning, that challenge is one of the greatest challenges that we face today. That challenge is one of the greatest challenges that Christian families face today. In the midst of everything going on in the world and the wickedness of this world and all that's going on in our home and in our families and with our children, and as they get older, to maintain a biblical Christian worldview. You know, just the other day I told Jessica that she's going to have to sit down with our, our two oldest daughters and talk to them about some things. And again, it's part of the times in which we live. We, we can't stick our heads in the sand and act like we're living in the 1940s. It's part of the times in which we live. And so in our homes and our families, we have to have the viewpoint of God, the viewpoint of his word, and not the viewpoint of the world. Now I'm getting to the conclusion. I don't know when we'll get to the very conclusion of 1 John. But the very last verse says, Children, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And an idol is anything we put ahead of the word of God. And what I pointed out last Sunday is we live in times where people are setting aside the word because a family member or a child or an aunt, aunt or an uncle or an aunt or someone they know chooses to head down the path of sin. And so under the guise of a worldly love, they set the Bible aside and they act like that's okay. That, friends, is many things, but it is also idolatry. And that is putting anything ahead of God and ahead of his word. And I took you to the place in the Gospels where Jesus spoke of that if we live for him and walk with him, it's not just going to be peace, but there are going to be divisions and there might even be divisions in families. And so you have to purpose in your heart that in these days, no matter what's going on, morally, culturally, politically, socially, in the church world, that you and your family are going to stand with God and stand with his word. 1 John 4 and verse 5, they are from the world and speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Chapter 4, we learn the very end, that our heavenly Father is love and we are to love one another. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. So why don't we say this? Say, God is love. But love and walking love doesn't mean that we lie. Love and walking love doesn't mean that we, we go through the word of God and take out the things that are no longer politically or socially or culturally acceptable. Walking in love doesn't mean that we, we change the Word of God to fit what's going on. Just this week, there have been two different stories in the news about young people now suing a hospital, a hospital system, and all the doctors involved in them heading down a certain road. See, if we, we don't speak the truth in love and stand for truth and righteousness, we're not walking in the light. We're walking in darkness. And it has everything to do with love. Why does God in his word tell us what's right and what's wrong? Because he loves us. 
I'm getting a little ahead of what we're getting to today in chapter 5. Why, why does God give us every command? Because he, he loves us. Why do I as a father tell my children, don't do that, do do this? It's because I love them. That is the word of God says, like our heavenly father, that it may go well with them. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. You know, if you brought a Bible with you, it's okay to underline in your Bible, highlight in your Bible, drop, put a star, mark it. I wouldn't dog ear the pages, amen. It's okay to mark in your Bible. Because in this world, we are like him. That is the standard to which we have been called to be like Jesus. And if that's the standard, we all have plenty that we can work on. Amen? To live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to speak the truth in love like Jesus, to not lie to people, to not lead people astray, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. So what we believe and what's going on here in the heart is evidenced by what we do. Jesus said, a good tree bears good fruit. And a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so if we can't love the people around us, how can we say that we love God? Again, what we believe and what's going on here in the heart and what we're all about is proven by what we do. Verse 21, and he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, things might be a certain way in your life where you're like, man, that's great. Everything's great. Everything's going my way. Everyone thinks I'm awesome. Walk in love, walk in love, walk in love. But there will be days in your life when walking in love will be a challenge. Maybe with people you know, people you love, people in your family, people in our, our church family. But this is what we have been called to as followers of Christ, as Christian people. Whoever loves God must also love his brother, his sister. Now that doesn't mean we let people use us or abuse us or take advantage of us, but we're to forgive them. You know, Peter asked Jesus, well, Lord, how many times we're to forgive them and we're to walk in love? Whoever loves God must also love his brother. God is love and we are to love one another. God is love and we are to love one another. God is love and we are to love one another. And my father has told me that he's asking the Lord, Lord, with all this wickedness going on, how, how long are you going to allow this to go on before you're going to send judgment? Well, we know from his word, we know from the end, judgment is coming, and it's coming precisely because of love. See, he will, he will not allow this wickedness to go on. He will not allow the lives of children to be wrecked like this indefinitely. He judges because he loves. He judges because he is just. Now let's go to new ground in chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, 
beginning in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. We're coming up to Christmas time. I love Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You know, Nicodemus was a religious leader. and he, you know, he was the odd man out because most of the religious leaders didn't believe. They didn't accept Jesus. So Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night when, when no one would see. To, to say, man, I, I've seen what's been going on. I've got some questions. And the Lord told him, Jesus told him, you must be born again. And how are we born again? I took you to Romans 10, 9 and 10 last week, that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We will be born again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So you're a part of a new family. You're a child of God. Say, say, I'm a part of a new family. Say, I'm a child of God. And so we, we have to live like it. We have to keep that in mind that our, our life, as the Bible says, it is not our own. We were bought with the price. We're, now that you're born again, now that you have believed upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're born again. You're part of the family of God. As Paul says, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You know, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders tried to tell him they believed the Father and they loved the Father, but they didn't believe Jesus and they didn't love Jesus. And they accepted the Father, but they didn't accept Jesus. But Jesus told them to know him is to know the Father. That whatever he did, he was doing the works of the Father. Whatever he said, he was saying what his Father wanted him to say. And so he, he dealt with the religious leaders on that. Whoever loves the Father loves his child as well. Verse 2, this is how we know that we love the children of God. So how do we know that we love? How do we know that we're walking in love? How do we know that Austin is walking in love or you're walking in love? How do we know? Well, John tells us how. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Say it this way. Say, I'm to love and to obey. Say, I'm to love and to obey. Say, I'm to love and I'm to obey. So obedience is inseparable from the Christian life. Well, we're, we're a part of a new family. We have a father, Father God. And so we're to love him and we are to carry out whose commands? Say, so who, who do I expect my children to listen to? Me. I'm their father. And when we, we go to the store or wherever, we're walking through somewhere and a, another parent gives a command, I don't expect my children to listen to that or to do what some other parent says unless it's their teacher here at school or their coach at basketball or whatever it is. But I do expect them to listen to me because I'm their father. By loving God and carrying out his commands. Paul refers to the good things that our Heavenly Father has prepared in advance for us to do. Verse 3. And back a long time ago, at first church building there on I-30, I would hear my father rehearse these two verses, 1 John 5, 3 through 4. 
I think every Sunday, three times Sunday morning, then again Sunday night. This is love for God. To do what? So what is biblical love? What is Christian love? What is agape love, the love of God? To obey his commands. So from the word of God, can I say that I love God if I don't obey God? From the word of God, can I say that I love Jesus if I don't obey his word? This is love for God to obey his commands. What commands? The commands in his word. And of course, we know Jesus fulfilled the law. We're not bound to the dietary law. We're not bound to the sacrificial law or the ceremonial law. But certain laws are still in effect, like the moral law. And what command fulfills all the laws of God, all the commands of God? The love command. And how do I know that I love God and I love him and I love his word? This is love for God to do what? To obey his commands. And that, unfortunately, that unfortunately is the issue out there in the church world in 2022. But there's nothing new under the sun. This has come up in the past. People wanting to find something in the word of God that would lead them to believe. They don't have to obey. They, they can just do their own thing. They can just live however they want to live. But if you head down that road, it will be a destructive road. The best thing is to line your life up with the word of God. The best way is to live a life that is obedient to God. The best way, you've heard my father rehearse this, that he and my mom reached a point in their lives where they said that if there was anything in their lives they were doing, the word of God said, don't do, they would stop doing that. And if there was anything in their lives they weren't doing, the word of God said, do, they would start doing. You've heard Pastor Hearst how in the late 80s, he was at 5 a.m. prayer complaining about not ever having any money. And the Lord told him, the Lord didn't say, man, FedEx is going to be here at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. The Lord said, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. Well, you go searching through the word of God, you'll find out that when it comes to stewardship, the Bible tells us to save. And the Bible tells us that the borrower is servant to the lender. And you find things out like that during the good years in Egypt, Joseph had them set aside 20% for the seven years of famine that were coming. The obedient life is the blessed life. The obedient life is the best life. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not, why don't we all say, his commands are not? You see, when people head down that road, oh, man, I, you know, I don't want to obey his commands. It's too much, too hard, too difficult. They act like the commands of God are burdensome. A great, big pain in the backside. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. I said a few minutes ago that every, every command God has given us is because he loves us. You know, and here at St. Paul's, when the dietary law comes up, I, I explain it to my students. Because I remember when I was in college at TCU, I had a college professor that would make fun of the Old Testament 
he would make fun of the dietary law. But when we, the dietary law comes up here at St. Paul's, I explained to my students that the Israelites were an ancient people living in an ancient land. God loved them. He wanted them to live long, healthy lives. And because he wanted them to live long, healthy lives, he told them there were some things they should avoid. Not because God was anti-fun. Not because God was trying to make their lives hard and difficult. He loved them. And so he gave them commands that had to do with what they ate and they allowed to enter their body. And praise God, in the Gospels, Jesus pronounced all foods clean. So at lunch today, you can have a double bacon cheeseburger and not feel bad about it. But we understand, again, the wisdom of God. There are probably some things that we should avoid or some things that we shouldn't have too much of. And again, why did he give his people, his children, those commands? He loved them. And he wanted them to live long, healthy lives. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Now, Sophie's here in this service, so I have to be careful with the stories that I tell. You got five kids, 10, or 12, 10, seven, five, and two. But I, I see this now from a, a father's perspective. You know, Emily, finally she's past this, but she had this thing where when she was done eating, you know, she kind of would kind of look around, and then she'd take her plate or her bowl and, and drop it on the floor, and then she'd start pushing, pushing all the food off her tray. Stop it. Don't do I see that look in your eye. Don't even think about it. Does she take it? Just drop it. She's like, what are you going to do about it? Well, we say don't do that. Mostly for mom's good, daddy's good, right? Because it's a mess to clean up. But commands, instructions are for our good, our benefit. You tell the younger ones to not do something or to do, do something and they have a bad attitude. I'm not going to throw myself to the floor like I've seen a toddler do. But when a child behaves that way, does that make you as the parent feel good? Does that make you as the parent say, man, we, we should do something special tomorrow and go to their favorite place to eat. And man, you know, we, you know, we should go to the store. We should get on Amazon and order that thing they've been talking. Is that what you want to do as the parent? No, it, it makes you want to back off on the blessings and back off on the reward. Do this, don't do that. Sometimes you give an explanation, sometimes you don't, but it's for their good, and it's for their benefit. But when they have a bad attitude, they're acting like the commands are burdensome. Or when they, you know, do this, you know, give you a mean look, I saw it, I didn't do it, I saw it. Or they roll their eyes, or they, you know, they think you're not looking, they're giving you a look. They're acting like the commands are burdensome. When they get older, and you know, we've, we've got a bunch of girls, you know, it's like they, and they, they don't know what, you, they wouldn't know what this is. Some of us adults know, like the, during the holidays, the Sarah McLaughlin commercial on TV where they, they play her sad songs with sad pictures of puppies and cats for you to donate money to animal shelters. 
They start to tear up and look oh so sad to try and get you to change what you said, your, your command, your instruction. They're acting like the commands are burdensome. But they're for their good. They're for their benefit so that things would go well with them, so that there would be a good end result, a good outcome. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not. So in your life, you've got to come to the place where you say, if God says it, if God commands it, if God directs it, that is for my good. That is for my benefit. And the world might say, I can do something else. The world might say, I can live some other way and it's okay. But God says, no. God says that I'm going to live for him and walk with him. I got to live a certain way. I got to do things a certain way. I got to live a certain way morally. I got to handle my finance a certain way. God gave me these commands for my good, for my benefit, that it might go well with me. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Now, you can read any of the epistles by Paul and at various places you will find places where there are lists of instructions, things to do, things not to do. Those are for our good. Those are for our benefit that it might go well with us, that we might walk in the blessing of the Lord. An example is in Colossians 3. An example is in 1 Thessalonians 4. An example is in Galatians 5. And I take you to some of these places, but we're going to run out of time if I do that. Every exhortation, every instruction, every command is for our benefit. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. But see, as a father, when any of our children, act like the command or the instruction is a great big pain or they, they, they evidence in some way somehow that they disagree that they don't like the command and they're going to give me the raspberries until I change the command that, that does not make me want to bless them that, that does not make me want to do or bring about this or that desire of their heart you know a phrase I always have Rattling around is something my father would say. You do what's right, or life as you know it will cease to exist. I was working with someone yesterday on riding bikes outside. I told him, if you will cooperate, if you will have a good attitude, if you will try, if you will give it your best, this will be a whole lot easier. But see, how does our heavenly father feel? He, by his spirit, is trying to lead us to green pastures and still waters. And he gives us these commands in his word for our good, for our benefit. But see, we're, 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 we're wanting to do our own thing. Well, well why, why can't I have it both ways? Why can't I love Jesus and love the world? It doesn't work. Why can't I come to church and love Jesus on Sunday and then live however I want Monday through Saturday? It doesn't work work. Every command is because he loves us. Every command is for our benefit. This is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Why don't we say, say, my heavenly fathers, my heavenly fathers. 
His commands, they are not burdensome. They are for my good. They are for my blessing. And here's why this is important. Verse 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. See, see, we're to have the victory. We're to have the victory in every part of life. And we are to overcome. We are to live a life of overcoming. We are overcomers. In Romans, when Paul explains this, he says that that is what some of you were. He explains that when you offer any part of your life to sin, you make yourself a slave to sin. And Paul says we're to be slaves to righteousness. It's another way of explaining this, that to overcome and to live a life of overcoming, you've got to submit the entirety of your life to God and live his way to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is the victory that has overcome our faith. I love it. Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. What word? His word and our hearts and his word and our mouths and us saying what his word says regardless of the times in which we live. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes. So you got to realize that if you'll do things God's way, if you'll live life God's way, you'll overcome. You'll have the victory. Well, well why, why live a certain way? Well, why do what's right instead of what's wrong? Because you'll overcome. You'll have the victory. God can bless that. God can increase that. God can favor that. Jesus explained it in a different way in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 28. See, we, we make things hard, we make things difficult when we do it our own way or we do it the world's way. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. See, if you're weary, you've been trying to do things your way. It's not gonna work. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Think about that generation Moses led out of Egypt, if they would have just obeyed, within a matter of weeks, they would have entered into the promised land. Instead, because of their disobedience, their grumbling, their complaining, their bad attitudes, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And then who entered into the promised land? Joshua and Caleb and the children of that first generation. But what did God want them to have all along? Rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, when you live life God's way, you enter into rest. When you do marriage God's way and walk in love, regardless of what you feel like, you enter into rest. Regardless of what the culture says, you know, if you, in your home, the parents are in charge, you do things the Bible way, you discipline, you reprove, you correct, 
You train, and then when you think you're done training, you train and retrain and keep training and retraining. When you do things God's way, what do you have? Rest. And that, that's what I want you to see from the Word of God. His commands are not burdensome. Because when we do things God's way, in any area of life, what do we have? The rest of God, which is wonderful, which is peaceful, which is full of the love of God. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, in their day, they were still, in many ways, an agrarian society. You might say, yoke, what, what's Jesus talking about? Well, they would put a large piece of wood between two cows or two oxen so that they would plow together in unison two strong animals side by side. But think about it. Does that work if one animal says, you know what, I think I'm going to go the opposite direction? Does that work if one animal says, I think I'm going to do my own thing? But see, that, that's what people want to do. They, they want to do their own thing. Instead, we're to walk alongside Jesus. We're to, we're to live life his way in every area of life. Take my yoke upon you. And this way, I, I don't know everyone's background. Maybe you grew up in a background, well, serving the Lord's so hard, serving the Lord's so difficult. God, God's done so many things to test me this past week, and I, I just don't know if I can make it. Serving Satan was so easy in comparison to serving the Lord. You got to get all that ridiculous religious talk out of your mouth. Amen. His commands are not burdensome. Come to me, all you who are weary and laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. His yoke, that, that, that piece of wood between the two animals, his yoke that brings us alongside Jesus to live life and to do marriage and to parent and to train our children and to do whatever God has called us to do. His yoke is easy if you live life his way, if you do things his way, if you obey in any area of your life. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when there are those parenting moments, do this, clean up your room. No, you're not wearing that. See, if they would just cooperate, things would be so much easier. Things would be so much more peaceful and restful. But what about in living this life and living this life for God? What, what would happen if we would just obey God? What would happen if we would just surrender the entirety of our lives to God or do as Paul said, offer the entirety of our lives as living sacrifices to God? What if instead of doing our own thing, then blaming God or blaming others, what if instead we live life and handle things and did things God's way? We would find rest, which is the peace of God which is the blessing of God, which is the favor of God. And even in the days in which we're living, when there is darkness out there and we feel as if we are surrounded by darkness in our homes, our Heavenly Father wants us to have peace. In our homes, 
Our Heavenly Father wants us to have rest. And our homes, our Heavenly Father wants us to have His blessing. His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Say, I'm an overcomer. Say, I'm overcoming. Say, my family is overcoming. Say, I'm overcoming. Say, I'm overcoming in every area of life. Say, say, I'm living the way my heavenly Father has instructed me to live. So I'm overcoming. Say, I handle my money the way my heavenly Father has instructed me to handle money. So financially, I'm overcoming. Say, I work, and I work with excellence the way my heavenly Father has instructed. So in what I do, I'm overcoming. Say, in what I do, I have the victory. Now, now I realize there are those among us, young, young people in various situations, so and the same is true in your home and in your family. If you're married, you're overcoming, and you're overcoming together. And if you have children, whatever age, maybe, maybe little ones, maybe a, a mix and a wide range like us, or maybe young adults or, or children that have tried doing their own thing, do things God's way. Walk in love. Speak the truth in love. If you'll do things God's way, you will have the victory. And stop saying it is hard. We come to Jesus, whatever the burden is, we come to Jesus and we take his yoke upon us. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Where does it leave? It leads to that place of rest. It leads to that place of peace. It leads to green pastures, and still waters and the day in which we live, which is any day. I hope that message was a blessing to you this morning. Please bow your heads. You might be here this morning and you have never done as John tells us, you have never believed upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God loves you and his Love for you is proven. It is evidenced by the fact that he sent his son to give his life for you. The Bible says that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes upon him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever calls upon the Lord will be saved. Jesus said if anyone would come unto him, he would in no wise cast them out. He would not turn them away. This is good news for you. You, you can know God. You can be saved from your sins. You can be born again. You can be a part of the family of God. You can know what it is to have God as your father, to be a part of the best family in the entire universe, the family of God. And as I explained, we went to Ephesians. This is a gift. Jesus paid the price. Jesus gave his life for you. It is a gift, but you have to receive the gift. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. 
I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to give my life to him. I want to be a part of his family. I want to be saved. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll sit, I'll know. You want me to pray with you? Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to be a part of the family of God. That's you. Wherever you're seated, raise your hand up high to where I'll sit and I'll know you want me to pray with you. You might also be here today in a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you have been doing your own thing. You've been living life your way. And you haven't had ears for the word. And when the word, whenever you've heard the word preached, you've acted like, oh, that's a burden. That is a pain. And you did not realize it is for your good because God loves you. The Bible tells us that the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. You can leave here today with the peace of God. You can leave here a day walking in once again the rest of God. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with God before I go. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll sit and I'll know you want me to pray. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life and make things right with the Lord. For the sake of those watching or listening online, you might be watching now or later. Say, Austin, pray with me. Pray this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus, he paid the price I deserve to pay. And he gave his life for me. And I believe he suffered and he died on my behalf. And I believe you raised him from the dead. And from this day forward, he'll live in me. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for welcoming me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer watching or listening online, we want to be a blessing. If you go to the address on the screen, we'll send you a copy of God's very own child, English or in Spanish. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to bless you with the Bible. And those materials, they'll help you get started in living a life for God, which is the best life. I'm telling you, hear me out. Whatever the challenge, whatever the problem, whatever the difficulty, whatever has robbed you of peace, whatever has robbed you of rest, you go to God's Word, you look up what God's Word has to say about that area of your life, you do what the Word says, and you will enter into the peace and the rest and the blessing of God. His commands are not burdensome. And how do we prove our love for God? It is evidenced by our obedience. This is love for God to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. And so we take His yoke upon us. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And He leads us to the place of rest. Amen.